This presentation is from UX Australia 2016, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Afternoon, everyone. <coughs> so, my name's Christopher Cleal. I head up the digital <coughs> customer experience design function at ANZ. Um, so this is a quite a convoluted sounding title, but really it's about a journey that myself and the team have been on these last two and a half years. Um, so this is where we work. This is uh, the building in the Docklands. It um, has about 8,000 people in it, so it's really big. That's much bigger than my previous company's entire workforce across all of Australia. So it's huge, and there's about 55,000 people in Australia. So it's really, really uh, massive enterprise to try and uh, make any kind of change happen. But when we arrived, um, it's a really good place in terms of its customer experience. It has a real fundamental um, appreciation of the value of customer experience. And the, you know, if you go to the branch network or the contact centers, <coughs> it's excellent. You know? But I think the issue we had when I joined was that from a digital perspective, we were a bit behind. Um, in terms of the maturity, I always think I always like to use the example of um, growing up as an adult. So, if you're a child, you don't know what you want and you don't know how to get it. And then as a teenager, you start to know what you want, but not really how to get it. Sorry. You know what you want, but you're not sure how to get it. So that's kind of, I suppose, where we were, really. We, we knew that customer centricity was important, and the organization had a really fundamental, ingrained belief in it, um, more so than anywhere I'd ever been. But they just didn't know how to get there from a, a digital perspective. So that's where we started to come in. Um, but once again, to try and make changes in somewhere that's really huge is difficult. Um, so how do you start approaching that kind of problem? What we decided to do was look at making the biggest possible impact we could from a, from a digital perspective and then hope that the ripples would move throughout the organization, that the influence of the change that we made would start moving um, across all the employees and all the functions around us. But we were a pretty small team. So this is, I suppose, in a way, the, the sort of secret sauce, but it's really um, a kind of fundamental thing, is understanding the maturity of your organization, understanding and the team, where you are in. And there's lots of these corporate maturity uh, customer experience indexes around, but we created our own. So to do that, we really had to understand where we were strong, where we were weak. Um, where digital played well, where we didn't play well, and what capabilities we were missing. Um, and so we started mapping that out and determining where, where the next stage was. So, I, you know, being honest, we were probably at this sort of stage four, which is that we had a, a dedicated budget, which was good, but, you know, we didn't have much else. Um, so we started to try and determine what are the things we need to do to get to the next stage. And, and my experience in these kind of maturity models is that it's... Um, it's a linear process, unfortunately. You can't easily jump from four to an eight from uh, where you are from a sort of st a standing start to a run. You need to sort of grow, and it's more about evolution than revolution. Um, so we decided to um, plot out the things that we could easily win on and start doing them well and gain some momentum. Um, so that was our first task, really, was a real audit of all the things that were happening. <laughs> An audit of all the things that were happening and all the areas that we were strong and all the areas that we were weak and what we needed to do to get to what we thought was the next horizon. Um, and 
the basic idea for us was that we wanted to not be a design team, but to be a practice. So we wanted to, uh, it's one of the metaphors I, I quite like, is instead of keep telling the time when people say, can we have a design for this, or can you do a better experience for that, instead of just keep saying the words or keep churning out design, but to build a machine, to build a clock, so they could tell, you know, tell the time themselves. So that's what we tried to do, and it's somewhat to Steve's point earlier about building capability, building strength, getting uh, more efficient, more effective. And these are kind of boring things, but really important. It gives you, the, it gives you skin in the game to do the big stuff, the important stuff, and you know, really start changing the direction of the ship. Um, and it is about building, when you're coming back from a, a you know, place that's a bit further behind, it's about building infrastructure. Um, you know, we really want to, everyone wants to do great design and do the best for the customer, but it's hard if you don't have the basics in place, if you don't have uh, toolkits, if you don't have patterns, if you don't have um, agreed principles, if you don't have a purpose, if you don't understand what you're trying to achieve, um, and if you don't have methods that you can call upon uh, and trust from the organization and investment. So those things need to be built, they need to be earned. So... Um, you know, that's, that's where we needed to start. So we, we worked with this idea of building a practice, and we determined the areas that we needed to win on and, uh, from a CX perspective, and we started building out a research practice, an operations practice, an experience strategy practice, design language practice, um, all these different verticals that we wanted to build up our strength in. But as always, you know, this kind of when you're busy, the urgent often trumps the important. So, um, you know, you want to try and... You've got your normal work, your normal project work you're trying to deliver, but at the same time, you want to start building uh, reusable components that come from that that you can, other designers can pick up and, and, and reuse and move forward on. But that takes time. And so the initial idea was we just started and just gave everyone, um, as well as their project work, tasks to do to start building this infrastructure. But we just, yeah, always, always run out of time. So one of the key wins that we got initially was to work with uh, our peers and our stakeholders around us and get four hours a week for every designer to work on something that was nothing to do with their actual day jobs, but to do with um, building, you know, these capabilities. So that's that for, you know, important teamwork. Um, an example of that was um, around images. So, you know, in our website, we use a lot of imagery. Um, and we had one uh, amazing designer who spent a lot of um, effort with customers and the business understanding, first of all, what was the emotional resonance that uh, we were trying to have, achieve with our customer, uh, what the business was trying to achieve and, and what the context was. So he went through thousands of images and, and tons of ideas and tons of iterations and started to have this, build up this, um, in his mind, framework about how images should be used in different sections or different contexts uh, and, and people's different emotional states. Um, so that, all that knowledge was in his head. If he went on holiday or if he was away, then you know, everyone was back to, back to square one. So he spent quite a few months building almost a, a decision tree around images and imagery. And so we start building this image strategy, which is now, you, and, you know, as the team grew and as the organization and digital started to expand, we're all in co-located teams in different buildings, in different floors. So how do you get that consistency, which is important from a customer's um, perspective? And how do we get, um, uh, make it easy for the designer to not have to think every time, uh, you know, having to work through thousands of images, they just have a good starting point where uh, they can 
input a few different variables and get to a point where there's only a few images they need to think about. So we started building a lot of these frameworks and that made us go a lot faster and made uh, get, get a lot more time for designers to really think about the important things and not think about just manipulating the tool. Uh, you know, spending more time on the high value things and less time on the low value things. So in a way what we were doing and what we've enabled people to do is have a recipe and they've got all the they've already got the ingredients, but they start to have these recipes, these patterns, these frameworks that they can choose and move really quickly. And so that was a really important part for a really important thing for us. You know, moving fast is, is so important and um, and that was something we needed to get more momentum on. So that was, a, that was a, a key part for us, was building the practice, building the capabilities, getting the frameworks in, getting the basics right. Uh, and the other part was really around delivery. So again, to something Steve mentioned earlier, it's no good having the perfect design that doesn't get to market, that's not real. Um, it's about constructing the best possible thing, best possible thing you can that gets you gets in front and delivers value to the customers as quickly as possible, and then you can improve and iterate and optimize. So that was a really a, a mindset thing that we needed to really uh, to work on, just to get people really um, working hard with the tech with their partners to really deliver stuff. Uh, and this is a diagram from one of, the, one of my colleagues in the team, you see. So it's, it is about delivery. It is about getting things out as fast as possible and making them and delivering customer value. But actually, it's and you know in those cases we normally talk about the minimal viable product. But we didn't want to deliver crap, really. You know, we wanted to deliver not just something which was functionally good. We wanted to deliver something that was actually good. So we kind of had this philosophy about taking you know the not a horizontal slice but a slice down. So yeah, we wanted to deliver fast but deliver well and, and deliver a bit of everything that was good. So by this point, we were starting to gain momentum. We were getting things into the market. And I'll, I'll talk a bit about, more about what we did afterwards, a bit later on. But we were starting to get better and faster and cheaper. Um, you know, we are, it's unfortunate, but in many organizations, uh, CX is seen as a sort of a, um, not just a value generator, but an actual cost. So you need to find ways to continuously um, deliver value and prove that you're delivering value. Which leads me to my next point. Um, so, as people in UX and CX, we love doing qualitative work. We love talking to customers and really connecting with them and getting that empathy. You know, it helps us understand their lives and their worlds, and and, and you know, helps us design better for them. What you find with a, I guess, in a big organisation with lots of stakeholders is that data speaks, that numbers speak. Um, so if you've got a decision on a feature that's a million, you know, it costs a million dollars to, to generate an idea or a, fun, a feature you want to get out there, if you've only tested it with five customers, you know, it depends on confirmation bias. If they believe you, they'll say, awesome, yeah, that, that, if the stakeholder believe, has, also has the same, dis, uh, they want, it's come to the conclusion they want, then they'll, they'll agree with you. But if they don't, then they'll, they'll just say, why, you, you, you know, that's only five customers, you know, you don't, uh, we don't believe you. So the first thing we did was really build up our quant practice, getting um, ideas, testing the idea um, as early as possible, testing the design as early as possible, and testing it online, so with thousands of customers, um, and getting statistically significant results. And that's amazing. You know, working in a bank, it's about numbers. And so it was just the easiest thing in the world to get, um, get gain momentum on good design decisions because we were able to quickly prove it was um, that it's what the customers wanted, that task completion was good, that effort was good, 
that uh, SUS was good, the NPS was good, tick, tick all the boxes, and, and then you, know, you go through the stakeholders pretty quickly. And that's, that's a part of uh, you know, the impedance that you get in bigger places. So quant data is probably one of the biggest, or using quant is probably one of the biggest things you can do to really help accelerate decision-making. Um, but it's not to say there isn't a place and that qual you know, is not important. It was, uh, we had an interesting session when I first arrived a few years ago where we had all of the um, uh, CEOs of the bank in a session, and we were looking at strategy for um, a youth segment. So we went through all the available data. There's oceans of data and oceans of information and I think we were kind of reaching a consensus by lunchtime on what uh, the next steps might be. And then over lunchtime, we had a panel of um, four customers coming, just four kids, really. And there was a Q&A session for about half an hour, and everything changed. Everything changed after that. Just having that direct connection and hearing the customers talk, the ideas went in a completely... All they wanted to do was solve these, these kids' problems. And, and these are sort of highfalutin CI, uh, CEOs that use data every day to make decisions. But it, it reminded me that you know, we have this rational, emotional brain and the, the numbers really connect and make sense and have logical impact, but the emotion, uh, the, the resonance of listening to customers is, is, you know, it's hard to beat that. So then how do you propagate that voice of the customer throughout the organization? And that's something I'll talk about in a bit. The other point I wanted to make about catalyzing um, the speed of change and the direction in terms of CX um, is a sort of um, a little metaphor that I had in my previous place. You know, I think we had a, we had a really good team there. Um, but it's tempting to talk a lot in jargon in CX. You know, we, uh, we often have service blueprints or ethnographic research, and business doesn't understand that. Uh, so for a while they called us Scientologists, you know, we decided we don't want to be Scientologists, we don't want to be seen as too religious or, you know, and we don't want to see as too scientific because both make the smart stakeholders, you know, they're smart and successful because, you know, they know what they're talking about, but nothing disenfranchises like talking down to people or, you know, speaking a language they don't understand, that's going to put you back straight away. So, you know, simple things. Another thing that was really important for the team and the growth and that helped um, accelerate, I guess, you know, our, our customer experience program and what we were trying to get going in the organization was however hard we were running and, you know, we were running hard and we were delivering um, was that we wanted to keep this culture of... Uh, and so we had a series of metrics that we were delivering upon, but one that was really important was lull metrics, you know? We, and this was something we talked about, like, just having laughter and having fun every day. It's hard to design and, and deliver the best thing you can for the customer when it's not fun to come to work. So that, that was a really important thing. We just wanted to keep focus on the team. And, and it was just a real realization to call out to everyone that um, you know, doing serious work doesn't mean being serious and that you, know, you, can, you can have fun and, and you know, um, don't get hung up on, don't take things too seriously. It's only a job, you know. Um, so that was a kind of a broad brush across the top of some of the things that I think we did that um, helped us um, make a bit of a difference over the last couple of years. But did we make a difference? You know, I was reflecting on what we've done, and it's always difficult, you know, when you're, um, when you're in a job or in a situation, you're always looking to the next thing, and you're not really ever looking backwards and thinking, what actually have we done? And I think, you know, some, using some of these techniques of just simple basic things of using quant, um, connecting in the customer and, and creating a space for their voice in the, in the business. 
does make a difference. And if it did, how would we know it? So, you know, we work in a, in a place that's, uh, you know, everything is about ROI. Everything is about delivering. You know, you have to prove that you've made money, that you've done well. For, you know, if you do well for the customer, you'll make money. So we started with a relatively small team, but the more successful we were, the more they kept giving us more people. So over the last two years, we've recruited 23 people. So that's, you know, basically one a month we are bringing in. And we still couldn't fill up the pipe of work that was ever increasing. Engagement. You know, a happy team is a team that's productive. So we work really hard, like I said, on the LOL metrics, giving people the space to professionally develop in that capability and maturity, that, those four hours a week, um, giving the professional development. And a good team and a happy team does well for the customer. And if they do well for the customer you get more opportunities and the, the, the influence of CX starts spreading. So, uh, and it was really nice. You know, a lot of my stakeholder, a lot of my peers in the business would say they just liked being around the CX team wherever we was sat because we were just um, different to everyone else and fun. And that's the sort of thing that's a sort of intangible but makes people really start to listen to what you're saying. Uh, and so, again, in terms of what we... Um, the impact that I think we made was that they started listening. No, we, when we started, we actually didn't talk to many customers at all. Um, but the more we kept introducing and hearing, having that voice around us, the more they wanted, the more the business wanted. And finally, you know, a few months ago, um, we opened a, a, a dedicated testing facility, which, is, uh, which allows us to reconfigure in different scenarios from a, a home to a bar to things like that. And it's, we, from this facility, we can stream to the rest of ANZ across the whole country. So people can be in their offices listening to a customer test. And we've had people, um, you know, CEO on the train, listening to a, to a voice of a customer, which is a really big, really big impact. Um, yeah. and, it's in, and it's in constant use. So the demand is starting to outstrip the build, the, the build already. So we can start to see the influence of this sort of customer-centered thinking and voice propagating. So that's, that's already all well and good, but what did we do for the customer, I, I guess? You know, so a couple of years ago, this is what I guess ANZ looked like, our designs. Um, and so you know, we need yeah, pretty dated. need to have to improve that and do you know, better. So in the last couple of years, we've, you know, we imp- implemented a new CMS and redesigned our web presence. So working from the bottom up, so the home page is coming soon, but all the other sections are, are sort of done. So that was a big, big achievement for us and got great results. But we also redesigned internet banking. Um, again, responsive and got a good response. Uh, at mobile app, watch. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the other part is partnering. So partnering with Apple on Apple Pay, Google on um, Google Pay. So these are, again, these are things that, um, decisions that we were working closely from a customer centricity perspective with the business and implementing these these partnerships actually um, is not as uh, not as lucrative for the bank as if they were doing if they tried to go on their own on this way so this is something that's really a customer centered decision but you know a lot more we did a lot more stuff as well um, so we've delivered but the value has been really good we've been getting great um, results from all of those and, and, and I think it's that virtuous circle the more we faster we deliver the better the results, the more the investment, the more the investment, the more we can do, and then the more the influence of what we're trying to say spreads. So yeah, we've had great results and you know, um, good returns. And so again, we were looking at where are we on this sort of maturity model. And you know, it's taken probably three years, two, three years, but we've moved up to probably around this integrated customer experience. 
level where we've got good measures around quality, we've got systematic processes. So all the infrastructure's in now, which let, lets us get to the next, next level. So sort of wrapping up, I suppose, in terms of that maturity, you know, like I said at the beginning, we were, I guess, teenagers. Um, but I feel like the business now knows they want to be customer-centric and they know, now know what they need to do to get there, which is an improvement and a good evolution for us. So I think we kind of graduated and, uh, you know, we know what we want to do, we know how to get there, and I think, you know, the next steps are evolving from where we are, continuing to build the capacity and building the space to start to do the really, you know, start to see, said, the real sort of more groundbreaking stuff now we've got the foundations in. So, yeah, thanks. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.